Servus, hallo, cheers and happy holidays and merry Christmas. I'm Verena Borel and I'm so happy that you are listening to my No Cheers No Story podcast. And today's episode is obviously in English again because I have a little Christmas present for you. A very, very special interview guest. No, it's not Santa Claus. That would be too easy. <laughs> it's the one and only Jeffrey Morgenthaler. So I'm so happy and proud that he found time to give me this short, no, not short, a pretty long interview. I met Jeffrey when I traveled with him a whole week, the Negroni week, around Germany. And we had many times in the car talking and zipping. And so we actually said in summer that we want to do this podcast episode. And yeah, now it's out. Jeffrey had time, I had time, and we recorded this podcast episode for you just in time to start a glorious, glamorous, glassful new year and to celebrate Christmas. And in the interview, you definitely get to know how to drink properly at Christmas because maybe you know that Jeffrey's new book came out this year. It's called Drinking Distilled, a user's manual. And there Jeffrey talks about bar behavior and how to drink properly. So besides that, Jeffrey talks about his experiences and mistakes as a young barman and he shares some very funny stories and really wise wisdom. So have fun with Jeffrey Morgenthaler and this very special Christmas episode. Okay, cool. Jeffrey Morgenthaler. Hello. The show. Hi. I'm so glad that you, yeah, give me this uh, little or maybe longer interview for the No Tears No Story podcast. Oh my god, I'm so it's it, it's it's about time we finally did it. We've been talking about it for like the past six months now. Yeah, I think so. If not more. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's really the, great. When we had this uh, really long hours in the very very comfortable Campari car. Yes. Uh, yeah. We already talked about um, doing this podcast interview. So now today on the release day it's Christmas. So yeah. have a year. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Jeffrey, I think or I suppose that everybody should know you, but um, I am I'm curious when you have one sentence or two to describe you or to say hi to the audience. Just say who you are and where you are um, working at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. I will try to sum myself up shortly. Uh, shouldn't take too long. Uh, <laughs> my name is Jeffrey Morgenthaler and I am... Uh, first and foremost, the um, bar manager at Clyde Common and Pepe Lamoco in Portland, Oregon. They are both located in the Ace Hotel. Uh, Clyde Common is a restaurant. Pepe Lamoco is a little cocktail bar. I run both bar programs with a big team of, of awesome people. A lot of and bar programs. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'll let you say that stuff. <laughs> we've, we've won a couple awards, yeah. Um, we work very hard and we enjoy what we do. Um, I've also, uh, I have a website, uh, jeffreymorgenthal.com, that has been up for 14 or 15 years. And um, I think next year it'll be 15 years. And it is just a collection of my um, bartending and cocktail advice and help and recipes and techniques and thoughts. Yeah. Um, and I'm also the author of two books, The Bar Book, uh, Elements of Cocktail Technique, and Drinking Distilled, a User's Manual, which came out earlier this year. And that's probably it right yeah that's, that's, yeah <laughs> i was curious how you will manage to pack yourself into one short sentence it was a I, little mean of me <laughs> <laughs> i think that's everything i don't think there's really much more to me than those things <laughs> so um just just as information for um uh, you as a listener you will find all um links to the book and to the homepage and to the blog in the show notes so that everybody can just click on it and be happy so um jeffrey you already mentioned that That you have written two wonderful books and when we had many hours in the car as already mentioned <laughs> we talked about so subtle and sophisticated and intellectual topics like pink negronis and mm -hmm. um, that drinks are always and drink recipes are always very personal and mm -hmm. everybody has their own taste the first book You have written the bar book, Elements yes. of Cocktail Technique. You set the focus not on personal drinks and yes. recipes, but on techniques that are yes. kind of more objective. I mean, mm -hmm. the book was published four years ago, and I think the variation of techniques has grown and on the other hand there is a big hype around like fancy looking drinks and cocktails so what's your opinion um, concerning bartending becomes it more specific and developed concerning the craft behind the cocktail or is it the other way and it's more becoming superficial what do you observe well yeah I mean That book was really designed, as you say, to help people make, you know, sort of better drinks or, you know, nearly, per you know, perfect drinks that the, in, and, you know, here's a, just to like back up a little bit. I yeah, think one please. thing that, that most people don't know that um, I don't really talk about all that much uh, that I should talk about is that my, my vision for that book was, was that it would kind of be a companion or sequel to Gary Regan's The Joy of Mixology. Mm. In that if, if you had those two books on your shelf, you could make 99% of what you needed to make in the world. Because Gary's book really covers a lot of history and a lot of like bar-related stuff and the drink families, of course. And then I wanted to have a book that, that focused solely on technique. So if you had those two books, you could pretty much make everything. That's great. Yeah, you know, it's always been my, my technique has always kind of been my my thing um, at work. And I, I love your way that you look at techniques. So you always um, ask why. It's always this kind of reflection that you put on things so that you don't take anything for granted, but you ask 
why yeah yeah why yeah. is Constantly called ideas questioning things for yeah. sure yeah um yeah you're totally right you know one of the things like we don't we don't have we're not a big fancy restaurant like we don't we're not part of like a big group you know we're not a big we're just owned by my boss um mm-hmm. he's just a you know he's a local guy he was, a, he was he's been a restaurant guy all his life so we don't have access to like you know five thousand dollar rotovap equipment mm-hmm. you know all, all this is this sort of crazy scientific equipment so which i think is better because it forces us to be more creative we yeah. have to find solutions that don't require a bunch of money and i personally think that that's more fun than just throwing money at a problem so i you know as much as like sometimes I, it's frustrating for me it's also um i wouldn't change it for the world Yeah, I see. I see your point. And was it maybe that you started to reflect on everything you do during um, your time now at the Clyde, or is it before that? Because I think you uh, yeah, I think it's always many different think, bars, right? Yeah, for sure. And they've all kind of been the same. I've never worked for a large corporation. I've never mm-hmm. had like a big budget. They've always been you know small independent restaurants everywhere I've mm-hmm. worked. That's kind of helped inform like what kind of bartender I am yeah so you had to ask and reflect on things to make them perfect so that they are really working well yeah Yeah, especially when you're competing with people that do have big budgets and lots of toys and stuff you have to really be creative you know (laughs) yeah yeah that's true but what do you think about the technique and fancy garnish walls and toys today because i mean when i when i scroll my instagram feed not your posts of course but <laughs> my posts are just pictures of my dinner <laughs> yes I, i love your dinner i love your dinner pictures great i always like being hungry um no um but when i when i look at instagram or when i sometimes i i have the pleasure to join cocktail competitions and so on mm-hmm. and i always kind of i don't know what to think about it because on the one hand i think it's really cool that you have these possibilities to have so many techniques and styles and garnish and etc etc and i love nice instagram pictures i mean it's For part sure. of my business as well but mm-hmm. on the other hand i'm not sure sometimes if Uh, this um, makes the bar world more superficial so that you have star tenders and the drink has to look good. But what is your opinion to that? Because you are so long in the business and, um, oh, not that you are old, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. that's dangerous because you know how old I am. So, <laughs> so you definitely longer in the bar business yeah. than me. And so, yeah, what's your opinion concerning you know, this topic? Um, I mean, okay, uh, like I'm going to back up again. I have been recently getting into photography again. I, I, I liked, I enjoyed photography back in college. And then I stopped being able to afford it. And I just stopped doing it. And I, I needed something. I just always need something to do, like with my hands and, you know, my free time. And so I, I started, I dug some of my cameras out and I, got some more equipment and I've been doing a lot of reading and learning about this new hobby. And I, I, I think the photography is a lot like cocktails, you know, you use your hands. There's a lot, a little bit of art involved. There's a lot of like technical expertise involved. Yes. And, you know, one of my first uh, thoughts was, 
well, I need to get better equipment, right? I want to learn how to take better pictures. I need to get better equipment. Uh, I know that thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all have it, right? Like, yeah. with, whether it's like with cooking or with, uh, you know, photography or cocktails or, or just about anything, uh, golf, you know, whatever. Like, we all can tend to think, like, if we had, you know, basketball, right? If we had, like, a uh, $150 pair of of basketball shoes, we could play better basketball. You know, I, I nearly fell for that line of thinking until I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of kind of like soul searching. Like, do I really want to spend thousands of dollars on this new hobby of mine? <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, and then every professional photographer that I've read will tell you, you don't need thousands of dollars worth of equipment to take a good picture. In fact, if you don't know how to take a good picture, thousands of dollars worth of equipment won't help you at all. Yeah. Right. And so I've really been learning like the technique of photography and trying to learn with like inexpensive equipment and the equipment I have. And I've gotten a lot better. <laughs> and I think that cocktails are a lot like that in that like there's, there's uh, I think with, with newer bartenders, younger bartenders, there's this thought that like if I could just get my hands on a rotovap, if I could just get my hands on uh, an immersion circulator, if I could just get my hands on all of these important you know, a, a nicer bar spoon, a $150 bar spoon, as opposed to, you know, say a wooden chopstick that I'll make better <laughs> cocktails. And, and all of that stuff is really nice and it can help make better cocktails if you already know how to make great cocktails. But I think that one thing, and it's not sexy, which is the bummer, you know, like nobody really wants to talk about it because it's not sexy and it's not fun, but you have to learn how to make great drinks before you you know, start adding <laughs> fancy machineries. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not going to help you make a better drink, you know, and, yeah. and with all of these drinks, you're talking about competition drinks and I judge a lot of competitions as well. And I see a lot of people getting into the, the falling prey to the, the mistake of, of, uh, buying fancy equipment or using fancy techniques without fully understanding why they're doing it. Um, it all comes back to the same basic question. Does the drink taste good? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's really all that matters, right? I mean, once you have a drink that tastes good, you can add layers of meaning. You can add layers of complexity. You can add layers of fun. You can add layers of interest or visual interest or garnish and all that kind of stuff. But if the drink doesn't taste good, then nobody will care, you know? And you can get as many Instagram likes you want uh, with a sexy picture of a beautiful garnish, but like... Yeah. The minute somebody comes into your bar and tastes your cocktail, realizes that it's shit. I, you know, yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, so the base for you for a good tasting drink is the basic knowledge of doing it, right? You have to do it. You have to do it a thousand times yeah. in order to figure out, you know, it's, I, I think that a lot of people say, oh, I picked up a book and it told me how to make a, Old fashioned. So now I know how to make an old fashioned. Okay. What's the next thing? And it's like, you know, my bartenders and I, we make old fashions to thousands of old fashions every year. And we're, we still feel like we're practicing all the time. Yeah. And we're not even doing anything interesting to it. It's a, it's a teaspoon of sugar and uh, two dashes of bitters and 60 milliliters of, of whiskey, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what is a drink that tastes good I, i totally agree with you that you first of all have to know how to do a good drink and then afterwards you can put 
the fancy decoration to it so yeah but what's your definition of a good tasting drink because i mean it's always kind of subjective or subjective yeah are yeah. there are there some some points or things that you say okay that are really objective to to say a drink is good or not yes absolutely that's such a great question um yes i mean it's subjective in the sense that like you can't You know, you couldn't interview a musician on your podcast and ask them, you know, what is a good song, right? Like, yeah, know. I know. <laughs> like, I get these people that come into my bar all the time and they ask, like, they look at the menu and they go, what's the best drink? And it really is like, like asking what's the best song or like going yeah. to a clothing store and saying, yeah. like, what's the best shirt? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what do you like? Yeah. And um, so that aside, there certainly are objective things that make a good drink. The main reason why I, I wrote a book about technique is because there are three things in equal proportion that make a great drink. One is the recipe that you choose. Two would be the ingredients that you select. And three would be the technique that you employ. And if any one of those things is not you know, as good as it can be, you're going to have a bad drink. You know, we could make a, we could make an old fashioned, um, with perfect technique, but we could make it with terrible ingredients and it's not going to taste good. Or we could make it with, you know, the best ingredients and yeah. the best recipe, but terrible technique and it's not going to taste good. So it's like in a, in a sort of objective way, I think that that's how you can define The difference between a good drink and a bad drink is that, like, all three of those things need to be looked after. Yeah, yeah, Does that I, make sense? I, that's so. Yeah, that makes really good sense, and <laughs> I totally agree with you because I told you when when we um, had this time together during the Negroni week that I don't like um, sweet drinks, but mm -hmm. I can say to a drink that is like served me. Um, For me personally, it is too sweet, but mm -hmm. it is a good drink because mm -hmm. um, recipe is balanced, the, it's well mm -hmm. made and so on and so on. So I totally agree with you and I think it's really um, good that you mention it and that you point it out. Yeah, it's like Pisco is not my favorite, but I can make you a Pisco, a, a, you know, a perfect Pisco sour. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So... Techniques, drinks, recipes. What about the soft skills in the bar? I mean, you're one of the greatest hosts um, I've ever met. Um, <laughs> and you, yeah, you just don't serve and please your guests, but you entertain your guests as well. Um, I, guess we, I guess you did see me behind the bar. I was thinking like, oh, she's never seen me behind the bar. Yes, me behind I the bar did. Five four times. times. Four times, yeah. yeah. And um, sometimes you please with pink drinks, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one question that I'm always asking me is this um, balance or even gap between um, being a good host and focusing uh, of being an extraordinary mixologist. So with many bartenders that I talk to, there's always this, what's the task of a bartender? Where to focus? Because today the host thing is a big topic on the one hand and um, it's kind of a hype. And on the other hand, there is this mixologist's thing what do you think is um, a good balance or what do you try to teach your team members on this topic you know i 
it's that's another tough one that's like you know how do you describe what a great host is right mm-hmm. like um i've seen some wonderful hosts at very fancy cocktail bars that would be very out of place in a uh neighborhood you know beer bar yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. um i've seen some neighborhood beer bartenders that would be fantastic at a fancy bar Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, I've hired people like that based on, on that because I knew that, you know, they would be great hosts. If I just yeah. taught them how to make cocktails, they'd be, you know, great cocktail bartenders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, I don't have, uh, I don't really have the answers for that because it's so, so much of it comes down to personality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with my bartenders, I try not to tread too heavily on their personality. They know what the rules are, just like everybody. You got to be nice to the people. You got to be fast. You got to be interesting and be funny and, you know, charming and warm. You know, but outside of that, like, uh, I don't really have a lot of advice for, like, how to be... It takes so much... You just have to have personality, I guess. You know, I've, yeah. I've, met, I've met bartenders, like, I'm sure you have too, that were, that were technically good hosts, you know, uh, refilled your water you know, brought you your drinks, whatever, but we're very boring to be around. Yeah. Um, and I, I also think that it, it kind of depends on the bar. I think some bars kind of want a boring bartender, you know? I, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that, like, some bars want a fun, exci- like, I don't, I realize that I don't fit in at every bar in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was, that was one of the things in my career that I kind of had to come to terms with, was, like, I when I started getting into like fancy cocktails and stuff, I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be Dale DeGroff or, or Jim Meehan or Eric Lawrence or Ego Perone, you know? And I was always kind of like kicking myself that I wasn't like, you know, as sort of like elegant or refined as those guys, you know? Mm. And I realized that like, I, I don't have to be like, I'm me, you know? And, and I, I, I have strengths and weaknesses and, and those guys, have strengths and I'm, I'm sure they have weaknesses. I, I can't find any in those, those <laughs> people because they're perfect, but you know, I'm sure they do like, <laughs> you know, would, would all of those bartenders fit perfectly behind my bar? Not necessarily. Yeah. I feel like I've gone off track here trying to answer this I, question. I, I, I think, like <laughs> I think that's um, what you, what you say or what I just um, thought about this is um, uh, that maybe two things on the, on the one hand, you should maybe, test or try different places to work to figure out what kind of bartender you are personally and what's That's your really good right, thing to say, right yeah. place to be and on the other hand I had this thought that maybe um, it's a thing of the team so yes it's yes. perfect if you have maybe some really really um, nerdy mixologist mm-hmm. behind the bar who mixes the most fancy drinks ever and then you have maybe this guy he's not that good at cocktail making but he's very warm and open-hearted and yeah. it's not only about you so you should be in the right place in, at, concerning the bar but maybe concerning the team as well so yeah maybe, that's totally true yeah yeah that's a really good way to put it the team is so important it's it's not just and i, I worked at plenty of places where i tried to be the the star of the show you know it was mm-hmm. all kind of about me and like 
you know, you could come in on my nights and you'd get a great cocktail. But if you came in on other people's nights, this is before I was managing, but like, you know, if you came in on somebody else's night, you know, you wouldn't be able to get that cocktail. Yeah. And, and, uh, I realized that I didn't want to run that kind of bar. You know, I wanted to yeah. run a bar that was a team and not just like a collection of individuals. Now at, as a manager that you uh, maybe hire your people so that you, um, yeah, have a look what kind of person you you need for your team or yeah and and in fact i don't really um i i don't i don't take the the burden of hiring on entirely myself because i realize that that doesn't work i don't this idea yeah. that like i'm going to create the perfect team is is stupid so yeah. what i do is i have the team create the perfect team i when we have an opening which is very rare you know people stay with us for a really long time which is great That's but when cool. we do have an opening we you know i turn to the team and i say okay who do we want to work with next mm. and i find that that's so much better than me just handing them somebody and saying here's your new coworker you know make them part of the team like <laughs> yeah no that's know? a good point that's a really good point so that you have the Perfect mix, mixture like in a cocktail. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> so cheesy. <laughs> yeah, I, I love cheesy sandwiches. I know you like do. Yeah. I do too. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about your new book because um, you already said in a in a sentence that your team has to know the rules. <laughs> And yeah. After after the technique driven um, bar book, you opened your bar to a wider audience and your guests mm -hmm. yes. and i mean drinking distilled is the the the, the subtitle is uh, user's manual so for everybody who did not um read it i highly recommend to read it it's lots of fun it's more for um everybody who likes to yeah. drink and yeah. who likes to come to a bar why have you written the book and what was your idea behind it Well, there was one moment that like really um, kind of made me think, and that was um, I was working brunch a few years ago, and you know, uh, you guys do brunch in in Germany, right? Brunch, mm -hmm. yeah. brunch yeah, brunch, uh, the, the the late breakfast thing. The late breakfast, yeah. With, so with lots I got of Bloody Mary and champagne. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so I was working brunch uh for a while we we opened for brunch and of course being the bar manager i i had to staff it and work it myself and all, you know kind of all this stuff um poor, and brunch, brunch sucks brunch is like the worst shift yeah. you can possibly work it's so it's so awful but <laughs> concern beca because of the because of the the early um, working hours or because of the people who come oh both i mean you know no bartender <laughs> should have to get up at Six o'clock in the morning. It's cruel. It's really awful. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing about brunch, this is like a total like side side track here, but like the other thing about brunch that makes it so hard is like it's not like nighttime bartending where somebody comes in and they want a drink. Uh, at brunch, everybody wants like five drinks, right? They want like a water and a sparkling water and a coffee and an orange juice and a mimosa and a Bloody Mary. You know, it's mm -hmm. like you can, nobody has one drink. So it's like, You know, you're working like five times as hard because everybody wants like yeah. 10 things, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I was, I was working brunch and I noticed a lot of these like young guys, these young like cocktail geeks, 
that would come in and order Manhattans and old fashions and, you know, um, last words and things like that with their brunch. Wow. And we're so proud of their drink orders. And I was thinking that is just such a dumb way to drink, right? Like you don't drink a Manhattan with your breakfast. Like that's just like, that's bizarre. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I thought, well, these are all like younger guys that haven't been told. All they've been told is like, Manhattan is a great drink. Old fashioned is a great drink. You should drink it. They haven't been told that like the Manhattan is a great drink at a certain time of day when the weather After is five. a certain way. After five. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it really got me thinking about like, you know, the time of day that people drink things and the time of year that people drink things. You know, every, every bartender complains about the, <laughs> the psychopath that comes in at, at 10 o'clock at night and orders a Bloody Mary, you know, because Bloody Marys are for the, for the daylight. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that maybe there was like a set of rules in there and, and just all of the other things that I've thought in my life and have tried to teach, you know, not just bartenders, but like consumers, you know, about, you know, the, just the, the whole world outside of like making cocktails, the whole world of like drinking cocktails. So this, um, it's more about the how instead of the what, right? So how yes. you drink. Now I'm curious, are there some maybe uh, like crazy situations um concerning yeah customers behavior or maybe bartenders behavior that you said okay there are rules and it's good that we have rules yeah i mean um yeah aside from the the, the like kind of time of day stuff um you know i think there are rules about uh certainly about people's attitudes in bars i think that not to overgeneralize but i think that a lot of like men um, could stand to use uh, some rules. You know, I find a lot of like men of a certain demographic that come into a bar and act entitled as if they own the place and talk to the staff in a certain way. Mm. That's talked to other guests a certain way that talk to certainly women in a certain way. <laughs> and I think that those guys could use uh, quite a bit of education in, in just how to deal, you know, I, you know, like my favorite, And I say favorite in a, a very joking way, but, you know, one of my favorites is, is the guys that, like, feel that it's their job to judge everyone's drink order because it, in terms of, like, how manly it is, right? So, <laughs> you know. So, the brosé. I saw the brosé. yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, can you just tell something about this uh, thing of... Uh... Yeah, judging each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like it's it's such a it's such a man thing, right? To like kind of judge the manliness of everybody's drink orders, right? Like, because you know, uh, as as rose was being uh, becoming more popular, these guys were were they they called it brose, you know, so that they could justify men drinking pink wine because obviously something that's pink, you know, can't be right consumed by a, a man, you know, or or like. You know, I, I work in, Clyde Common is predominantly a, a whiskey bar. Mm -hmm. We have a ton of whiskey. We know a lot about whiskey. We love whiskey. <laughs> we sell whiskey to everyone. And we get these guys that come in and want to mansplain 
you know, uh, whiskey to, to, to mainly women, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but other guys, you know, that might be in the bar that they, they feel that they, you know, can kind of like, uh, talk down to, um, mm-hmm. and it's just so irritating. And, and most of the time they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, one of the sections in the book that I did was like, really just kind of like make the mysterious world of whiskey, very simple. You know, here's what whiskey is. Here's how you drink yeah. it any way you want. Um, yeah. that's one that always, that always drives me crazy. You know, like when somebody comes in and, and gets a whiskey and they get it on the rocks and then the person next to them tells them that they shouldn't be drinking that whiskey on the rocks because it's the wrong way to drink the whiskey that they should drink it with just a drop of water because it'll release the aromas and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I know more about whiskey than yeah. pretty much everybody in the bar at any given time. And about half the time I drink my whiskey with rocks mm. because I like it. And half the time I don't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You know, it's all a matter of preference. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, kind of like that one person steps behind the limits of mm-hmm. the other person. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that's really rude. And one thing that makes me kind of crazy here in Germany is that um, the please wait to be seated thing. So oh, in Germany, <laughs> you have this big problem that most of the people, maybe because of our um, beer garden history or something like that, um, are just running into a bar and, yeah, seat themselves. And, right. I mean, there are some places uh, there it is possible, but um, especially in bars when there are reserviert, uh, Re- reserved, uh, yeah. reserved um on the tables, they sit, they, they seat themselves. So yeah, uh, that, that's one thing that really drives me as a guest from oh, a guest totally. perspective, crazy because it's completely kind of really rude. So first time I had to um, smile when I saw you, that your book is about all these rules. Uh-huh. But, um, <laughs> on the other hand, I thought, yeah, There are rules and yeah. it's, it's really cool that you have written them down. And I mean, you did it in a very oh, thank you. Uh, nice way and um, not like a teacher, but no. from, from the perspective of you um, being a bartender since uh, a long time. So, yeah. And that's what I want to do. It's just like, yeah. hey, you know, rather than like, I know all the answers and yeah. here are the rules and you better follow them or else. I yeah. wanted to say, hey, look, I have a lot of experience. I screwed up. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was terrible when I was younger. I didn't know how to act in bars. You know, I <laughs> tell me. <laughs> oh God! Uh, you know, one of my favorites was um, during the like martini craze of like the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when pink, it was like pink martini. No, just like a dry gin martini, right? Like, it was just like, you know, martinis, Mm -hmm. martinis, the perfect drink. You know, you have to learn how to make a perfect dry martini. And of course, the perfect martini doesn't have any vermouth in it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, a friend of mine went to this cocktail bar that had great martinis and uh, ordered two very dry martinis. You know, we're we're like drink snobs, right? You know, like, you know, no vermouth, please. We know everything there is about martinis. And this bartender, like, she... You know, she she was so over our our bullshit. But uh, 
<laughs> she, this was in the day before everybody had like a glass chiller in the back of the fridge. So she just grabbed two glasses and she filled them with ice yeah. to chill the glassware. Yeah. And when she put the ice into the martini glass, I said, <laughs> I, was I already like, know. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, no, no rocks for me, please. You know, like as if she was going to put the martini on the ice, you know, and I was just like, she looked at me like I was such an idiot, you know. Right. I love it. I love it. Thank you. But like, that's the, oh, totally. That's the, that's the, um, that's where I'm coming from with that book is just yeah. a place of like, I've done all of the dumb stuff. And yeah. so I'm here to give yeah. you a little bit of advice on that. Yeah, that's, that's you nice. Know. And I like the chapter <laughs> about the non-alcoholic um, thing as well. So you uh, yeah. write in one chapter that it's totally okay. And it's totally fine if everybody don't want to drink alcohol. So right. the person is not to blame for that. So it's totally right. their decision. And yeah, thank you for that. Because I had this situation as well that I had to yeah, um, explain for hours that I'm not drinking. Yeah. I, I loved your um, story that you came with a non-alcoholic beer to the party. Thank you for that. Totally. <laughs> well, God, that's like one of the many reasons why I love visiting Germany so often is you guys have so much non-alcoholic beer. In fact, uh, before you met up with us on our, on our road trip last year or mm -hmm. this year, uh, we went for a hike up in the Alps and we stopped at a bar and the three of us got non-alcoholic beer after our, yeah. after our hike, you know, yeah. it was just like a, it was so nice. Yeah. That's and we really don't nice. have that much non-alcoholic beer here. And it kind of makes me sad because I always have all this delicious, like non-alcoholic Hefeweizen and stuff when I'm in Germany. And then I come mm -hmm. back home and it's like, we don't, we have, there's like, you know, four types of non-alcoholic beer here. It's kind of sad. Oh no. Next time you come to Germany, you have to make friends with um, one of the beer, beer guys or something like that. Yeah, totally. So that they import, totally. import for your restaurant. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. You should get a good deal, Jeffrey. I think you can I do know. that. I totally believe in you. I think maybe I should you. just become like, I should just open a, like an import-export company and just yeah, like start should. importing German yeah. non-alcoholic beer. If you need something to to make some marketing, just call me. Okay. <laughs> we'll start our non-alcoholic beer yeah. uh, revolution of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Jeffrey, because today is Christmas, so not yes. today because um, we are recording it at the end yes. of November, but now <laughs> at the release date is Christmas Day and you have written a chapter how to drink on Christmas. So mm -hmm. for everybody who is listening and who is driving home for Christmas, for the holidays, do you have a good advice? You know, my, 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 my two bits of advice are certainly, you know, that you shouldn't drink, you know, it, I think that the temptation, especially when you're around family or in a, a stressful situation is to drink a lot. And I would definitely advise against that if if you can <laughs> it always sounds like a great idea but it's not not the best idea but also um you know my main point of advice for for drinking on christmas is that everybody should drink eggnog it is the most wonderful drink uh you can't drink too much of it which is really nice you have um, the recipe in the book right the recipes that our, our recipe for our tequila and amontillado sherry eggnog is in the book oh great and so i will put the recipe um 
Oh, please do. Eggnog in the blog article. So um, everybody can now, after listening to this podcast, check out the recipe and make the whole family happy. I think it's, I think it's the best eggnog. I really love it. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's, you know, have some eggnog and relax and, and have a good time. I'll probably have a little half glass of eggnog on Christmas myself. I'll be working. So. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be sure to have a little half glass after work, though. <laughs> I will. I will drink a glass, uh, maybe not eggnog, but I will gr- drink a good drink for you when I'm at home at Christmas. So yeah. well, and I'll I'll try it. to for next year. I'll try to come up with a good vegan eggnog recipe for you. Oh, cool! <laughs> That's a good um, thing. Um, right after the pink Negroni, so right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Jeffrey, I don't want to take so much of your time. And um, I have maybe some rapid fire questions to end this interview. Okay. So just quick answers. What trends or influences you consider as important for the next year? Oh, um, you know, I get that every year at the end Mm -hmm. of the year. I always get that that question, you know, it's so tough. Um, You know... And, and, and I guess my, my, my trend that I always fall back on with this question is, is uh, more people making better drinks more often, I think, is, is the best trend. I love uh, it. And the only, the only trend that I ever want to see is just more and better. I love it. That's the yeah. best advice you can give. Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, maybe that's already the answer for my second question. It's because I wanted to ask you if you have one advice for young bartenders. What would you tell them? <laughs> uh, get yourself a good pair of shoes, you know. <laughs> that's great. Really nice. Yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> and um, the third and last question. Is there one project in the next year that you are grinning for and um, you are maybe a little bit more passionate about than others? Yeah. my um, The thing that I've really been focusing on the most uh, lately and I plan to do much more of uh, next year is spending more time writing on my website. Cool. Um, yeah, I really love my website and I had it redesigned recently. It's really nice of, now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm adding a lot of content and, um, and uh, like I say, learning photography so I could put some better pictures of the drinks up there. <laughs> and so that's what Great. I'm most excited about is, is getting that website, um, you know, Great. spending more time there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you said to me that bloggers should stick to their blogging. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> that, was, that was definitely aimed at myself as well. <laughs> no, that's great. That's a really good idea, Jeffrey. So today for my uh, little research and for the interview, I just checked your homepage again. And it's, it's really nice. And Thank there you. are so many interesting articles on it. So it's a lot really of information there. Really cool, and I'm very, Thanks. very looking forward um, to your picture journey. So I know <laughs> because <laughs> that's coming. that's still a work in progress for me as well. So I'm very oh, interested yeah. what uh, is coming there from your side. Yeah, I've been uh, really learning cool. lighting this week. Oh wow! So you are you are some steps further than me. So if you need any resources, let me know, and I'll I'll point you in the right direction. I've been learning a lot online. Cool. Really yeah. good. I will write you an email. Yeah, yeah. please do. <laughs> yes, I need this. So, Jeffrey, now yeah. 
I took your whole morning. <laughs> what's, what's up for the day? Oh, I've got, you know, it's Thursday, so I've got a lot of meetings and work and uh, et cetera yeah. happening. So uh, I'm just going to enjoy another hour or so at home and relax and get ready for work. And then, you know, probably go in and spend the next 10 hours uh, at the bars, as I usually do. Regular totally. working day. Yeah. Regular working day. Totally. Jeffrey, thank you so much for oh, sharing you, your knowledge. Yeah, so it nice was, talking to you. It was so fun. And yeah, yeah, for me as well. Have a good day and <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Official party is over. Thank yeah. you so much. That was so cool, Jeffrey. Oh, so fun. So fun. That was Jeffrey. <laughs> you should definitely mix his eggnog now, today, and tomorrow, and the whole holidays. So you find the recipe for the eggnog on the blog article. And um, the link to the blog article you find easily in the show notes. And please check the show notes for Jeffrey's blog as well because he shares so many great articles and recipes and wisdom and experiences and everything there. And I put in the show notes the link to Jeffrey's books and to my Instagram channel as well and to my Facebook channel and to Jeffrey's Instagram channel. So you see everything when you just scroll down and check the show notes. I hope you had fun with Jeffrey. I hope you learned many new things and maybe you had some fun time. And now I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. And that you don't have to work at Christmas and that you have the possibility to take some time with your family and friends. And now I will switch to German because I can speak more from the heart in German. So I want to say thank you to my German listeners as well. Danke, danke, dass ihr so treu wart in diesem Jahr. Den Podcast gibt es jetzt seit Oktober 2017. Und ich habe bis jetzt jede Woche eine Folge veröffentlicht. Wir sind jetzt bei 63, also seit 63 Wochen gibt es den Notiers Story Podcast und ich bin total happy, dass ihr mir treu seid, dass ihr mir zuhört jede Woche und äh, mir so viele schöne Rückmeldungen gebt. Und ich freue mich total, wenn ihr mir äh, weiterhin Support gebt, wenn ihr diesen Podcast abonniert und wenn ihr mir eine Bewertung auf iTunes hinterlasst. Das ist wirklich, wirklich wichtig. Also wenn ihr mir nach äh, der langen Zeit Podcast irgendwie was zurückgeben wollt, dann äh, bewertet mich auf iTunes. Und ich wünsche euch von ganzem Herzen jetzt echt schöne Feiertage. Ich hoffe, wie gesagt, dass ihr nicht arbeiten müsst, dass ihr so ein bisschen Zeit habt, äh, die Füße hochzulegen und Eggnog zu trinken. Und ähm, ich werde eine Podcast-Pause einlegen. Ich werde generell mit No Cheers No Story eine kleine Pause einlegen. Es war doch sehr, sehr viel los in meinem letzten Jahr. Ich glaube, der ein oder andere hat das vielleicht auch mitgekriegt und beobachtet, dass es bei mir ganz schön rund ging, da ich ja auch noch als Autorin für das Strings-Magazin arbeite und alle Hände und Gläser voll zu tun hatte. 
Und deswegen werde ich jetzt im Januar eine kleine Pause einlegen und melde mich dann mit Podcast und Blog und vollem Social-Media-Programm Ende Januar wieder bei euch und ähm, werde bestimmt zwischendurch mal irgendwie ein bisschen was auf Instagram machen. Aber dass es wirklich was zu hören gibt und knallhart auf die Ohren wieder neues, brettstarkes Wissen und neue Artikel, das dann Ende Januar. Und in der Zwischenzeit haben wir ja 63 Folgen, die ihr vielleicht äh, noch nicht gehört habt oder schon gehört habt und schon wieder alles vergessen habt. Deswegen, ich werde da vielleicht in der Zwischenzeit den ein oder anderen Link mal droppen zu meines Erachtens besonders coolen Episoden. Deswegen jetzt ein ganz, ganz von Herzen kommendes Cheers an euch und vielen, vielen Dank, dass es euch gibt, dass ihr mir folgt und ja, bis Ende Januar. Dann äh, ganz neu und mit neuer Energie und Power. <lacht>